The Process, a podcast about creativity and experimental music. In the world of experimental music, outcomes and accolades for creators can be uncertain and at times seem far and few between. Therefore, creators and practitioners of experimental music must embrace the one thing they will always have complete control over, the process. This podcast aims to understand this creative process by listening to new works and discussing them with their creators. Each episode focuses on one creator and their music. Understanding how and why they create can inform aspiring creatives and help audiences better understand and navigate experimental music. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and I'll be your host as we explore the world of experimental music, creativity, and the human need to find purpose in their world and lives. This is The Process. Forbes Graham is a multi-instrumental, cross-genre composer, performer, and visual artist whose work explores themes of simultaneity, perceptibility, transformation, and collage. He is currently a 2020 Jack Studio artist and has also received commissions from Anthony R. Green and the Festival of New Trumpet. He has written work for the avant-rock ensemble Normal Love, soprano Stephanie Lampera, and Castle of Our Skins, Black Composer Miniature Challenge. His work has been performed as part of the New Gallery Concert Series. Graham also produces Beyond Apex, a podcast showcasing the work of other experimental musicians with a particular focus on presenting music and sound works across the fields of contemporary experimental music, whether that be free jazz, new idiomatic improvisation, new music, noise, or sound art. On today's episode, we listen to Forbes' Crossing for String Quartet, performed by the Overlook String Quartet. Thank you. 
it definitely starts just with some kind of germination, some concept idea, broad stroke kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that depends on what the piece is or sure. what kind of ideas are floating around in my mind. I'm, you know, I've got the broad idea and then I use that to create a form. So I'm kind of a form, form first. I'm a form first person. Yeah. At least with compositions. Um, so I kind of need to know what I'm doing. I need to know, know kind of like, I need a roadmap. I need instructions. I need a guidebook because otherwise I won't ever finish anything. I'll just right. start. I'll be like, Oh, it's cool. Yeah. Let's go. And then I'll forget. And three years later, it'll be like, I was a quarter of a way through something. So yeah. once I started to realize that that happens with me, cause it's like, I have like a short attention span, sure. you sure. know, like I'm doing too many things at once, so on and so forth. I started to start, started to use the kind of this form first kind of concept. And a lot of things that I write, use it whether they use, uh, in this case, you, there's the probabilities based on these sinusoidal functions. In other cases, it's rotations of a square Yeah. Um, related to, it could be a bunch of things. It could be magic squares. It could be adjacency graphs um, or adjacency matrices, to be correct, based off of graphs. So it's like there's all kinds of different things, and it just right. depends Sometimes it's like, I'll write some code to tell me what happens in each measure. Sure. <laughs> not, not specifically like right. everything, but like the broad scope. So like I might write some code to say, uh, what pitch class set do I use in this measure? And then let it do it. And then it's like, I've got this list somewhere that says in measure, blah, 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 we'll use this pitch class set. So like, I need instructions. Otherwise I don't finish stuff. So when you say the form, I, I love this idea too, the idea that you sort of have the form or you know what the big picture is going to be of, of this piece. So how specific is that form? Is it like as specific as saying this, this piece will be four minutes and 33 seconds. That's random number I picked, but, um, but you know, is it that specific? Are you really dealing with like specific time ratios or is it more of uh well, the piece will start soft and then get loud. And is that enough? Or where, where is it? It's somewhere in between that? It's the first one. It's the, it's first, the one. first one. The, the, the whole the piece will start soft and get loud. That comes later. Like I write all the oh, notes. Okay. I write yeah. notes and then I go, oh, what should it do? And it's a little frustrating because like notes are like literally, I don't know, maybe they're a half of what the music is, you know, sure. like. People sure. still have to express it. So like, you know, I'll write all these notes and I'll be like, well, it's not, it's not really music yet because yeah. it doesn't breathe. It doesn't have any kind of feeling in it, but that is how I work. Um, and yes, mm -hmm. it's, it's more temporal. So it's kind of more like I will start off and I will say, you know, say given piece of music X has four sections. Usually it's like each section has X number of measures in it and it's at this tempo. So like all of that gets, worked out before I write anything. And so that would, you know, yeah, that would mean like it's nine minutes long. Right. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I want to write a 10 minute piece. So like, how do I break it out? But uh, right. yeah, that's how it works. So I love this idea that the form is created and then you're sort of putting notes on a page. And then there's this sort of next step where 
how is this speaking as music? How is this a musical act? What's the next stage or how do musicians then play in this creative process? Uh, when I'm writing, I do try to keep musicians in mind. Certainly mm -hmm. there's kind of the core idea of, well, can they even do this at all? Right. Right. Is it possible in the corporeal world to yeah. perform <laughs> this line? Yeah. And then there's sort of thinking around how is this, you know, best achieved by a musician or how does this work for them? So I, I definitely try to be cognizant of their existence. I do find, of course, you know, you get into a rehearsal and you've inevitably forgotten things, mixed up sure. stuff, literally done something that needs to be fixed. So I've also found um, you're still learning. There's still so many things to learn from working with people. And so for the most part, when I get into a rehearsal, I mean, I guess like my thing is, you know, sometimes I see people that it's like composer versus performer and vice versa, where right. it's like, there's that whole thing. Yeah. Where the vibe seems like they're both complaining about each other. And yeah. I, yeah. I'm not into that. My whole thing is like, if you're playing my music, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And let's work together. And if there's something that I've done, that's problematic in some way, let's, try to fix it. Uh, yeah. Unless it's really going to ruin the whole concept, we're going to yeah. fix it. So yeah. um, that's my viewpoint. And I, I strive to have as little problems as possible. Yes. Yeah. 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 So when do you know a piece is done? Is it ever done? Oh, yeah, they're done. They're done. <laughs> Generally speaking, um, you write a piece, um, kind of first draft is, I guess you hit double bar, that's sort of first draft in a yeah. sense. And then performers kind of get a crack at it. Mm -hmm. And once they go over it, for me, that's done. I mean, I think if I heard a performance and I was like, oh, that didn't sound too hot or that wasn't exactly what I wanted, I still say it's done. And I think you try to learn from that and do better next time. That would be my, my take on it. I want to move on, sort of. This piece was premiered in November of 2020 by a quartet called the Overlook Quartet. They are pretty much based around the idea of playing music by black composers. Great. Performers in the Overlook Quartet are uh, Monica Davis and Ada Creedler on violin, 
uh, Angela Pickett on viola and uh, Laura Metcalf on cello. Eventually we had this premiere in November. It, it's at a, it was at a place called the Morris Jumel Mansion. Oh, wow. Okay. And they did a live stream on Facebook. So that was mm -hmm. kind of cool. My dad got to check it out. So it was nice. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. And he he called me later and yeah. we had a conversation about the piece. So that, that was really nice. And what was it? What was his take on the piece? He said it made him think of Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made it it made him think of like a horror movie or some kind of thing where you get chased and you thought you were getting away, but then you weren't. Yep. <laughs> which has nothing to do with anything Dude, I was to do about when I wrote it. But yeah. I was like, oh, that that's cool because there is there are these cycles where things kind of, um, you know, happen at certain points because of those probabilities and the way that, that function works. Yeah. So like he he got the concept just in a yeah. different way. And I was like, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's funny. People always have a frame of reference from movies because I think some of the most esoteric and experimental music that people are exposed to are in like horror films. Yeah, so totally, like, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. You know, I, a lot of times I'll be watching a horror film and I'll just hear like the Conlinio Boeing and I'll hear yep. you know, and I'll just be like, this is yep. so cool, you know, and then I forget <laughs> to watch the movie. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I noticed about the piece I get the sort of Hitchcock reference. The big thing that 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 I heard, and, and now hearing you say that it's related to probability, I noticed there's this pizzicato theme um, that the piece begins with, or there's this plucked theme at the start, mm -hmm. and that sort of continues throughout. And it feels very random. It feels like that there is some type of process going on. So could you talk a little bit about that theme and how it relates to the piece as a whole? Sure. So there's really, there's sort of two themes kind of, cause there's the, there's that pizzicato and then there's, um, then there's this melody as well that kind of is there at the beginning. And so essentially what happens is, um, so these probabilistic functions are determining, uh, when there's certain material going on and then uh, if that material is going on, then there's a question of how is that material being used? How is it being transformed? What's happening to it? And so different instruments kind of are getting to certain spots at different moments in time. Like everybody's sort of starting off together. Uh, but at certain points, certain people didn't, that die roll didn't work out for them. So they don't get <laughs> They didn't and make it. <laughs> they didn't make it. At the same time, everybody, because of where, where those functions peak, everybody gets gets in at like these certain points, which is like, uh, I think it's like every uh, 16 measures or so. And so I basically just have this roadmap of transformations that occur. And uh, I apply them at those points. Um, now, the other thing that happens is that there are some points where nobody got anything. So then it's it's sort of like I didn't want to leave that much blank space. Sure. Just silence or arrest. Right. Yeah, you could. I, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to leave like, you know, measures and measures of blank space. So there are kind of more. I don't want to. Filler is the wrong word. Um, but it's more like. uh Filling, let's use that word. Filling, filling. Filling. <laughs> um, 
that kind of sets up for when those kind of thematic things come back. So there's these sections where there's sort of like double stops or sort of longer chords that are happening. Are, is that what you're referring to as this filling? Often. The, the, often, often. Yeah. not all the time, but often, yeah. But there were no, it wasn't a resting point. I wouldn't use the word resting point. Like it, it wasn't that we arrived there and we we're sitting there in, in a restful position. I, I felt them almost as sort of holding patterns throughout the piece. Yeah, they, they, they're, they kind of do have this sort of vibe of holding pattern. And, and, and it's a mixed bag because on the one hand, they can kind of set you up for the, these other things, but they could also slow things down a little too much. So it's sort of like, you know, that's sort of the, that kind of after, after edit, or right. not so much edit, because I'm not editing it, I'm not changing it, but more like, you know, what would I do different next time yeah. um, kind of thing. Um, I'll say what I sort of like about that approach is that it, it, it can have a sort of a cell, cellular kind of feeling and pattern to it where um, things are these blocks mm -hmm. that kind of occur throughout the thing. Or I think when I did the rehearsal with them, I was sort of saying you could imagine their different scenes. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like a sort of non sequitur style, though. They did feel all sort of related. They were scenes from the same movie and maybe the ordering and the, the timing were less linear, but sort of all related scenes in a movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, especially because those transformations of thematic material mm -hmm. kind of help to preserve that sense. I would say I have, you know, I have my own way of doing things. I have my own approaches. I have my own concepts. And a lot of them nobody knows about because I don't talk about them. Sure. Part of that is on purpose and part of that is not on purpose. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yes, I, I do think I have a creative voice. I think that it's informed, I mean, mostly just by my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a... Um, I did a talk in Towson University uh, in, I want to say September of 2019, because I was, I was down there to do the High Zero Festival, and they were kind, kind enough to get me a workshop. Nice. Down in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And uh, so I did this kind of talk on at least some of my approaches to writing music. And I started it off, in, and because we were in Maryland, I said, mm -hmm. I started off, I said, I am from the D.C. suburbs. And that was kind of like the start of the talk. Yeah. Because I was trying to kind of situate um, this sort of cultural stew that I grew up in. Yeah. And sort of relate it to things that are in my music. Like that DMV area, right? Where they, it's yeah, like it's, DC. Yeah. They, and it's so funny because we didn't call it that um, until I left, but I totally, I love that term. I use it yeah. too. Like I'm totally into that. Um, yeah. And it's definitely a vibe. It is definitely a vibe there. So there's one part of, you know, my creative voice 
um, being related to my life and all of that, then there's kind of the part of it um, relating to just certain things that I do, certain techniques I use, certain concepts. I mean, I talked about a lot of the math stuff, for example. Uh, But then another example not related to that is like I beatbox through the trumpet. Um, And I don't even remember when or why I started doing that. But then it's like, again, like going back, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm 43. So, you know, I grew up in a certain milieu, as they say. And, yeah. you know, when I was growing up, it was that era where they, they were saying, well, hip hop isn't music. And even, right. you know, even my elders, you know, my, my parents were kind of like, is it music? We don't know. Right. Uh, you yeah. know, my yeah. grandparents and stuff, they're like, what is this? This ain't no music. So, right. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and it's that era also when it was first getting more commercialized. You had those movies like Breakin' and Breakin' 2. Right, and, Electric Boogaloo, yeah. <laughs> what I guess we would say with the early 80s, where this art is kind of getting into a commercial thing. Right. More heavily, more heavily. Right. Um, into kind of the late 80s where it's like, it is now kind of a commercial thing um, into the, what's it called, a golden age of hip hop. We went through that transition of it not being music and then being maybe like dangerous or like, or like maybe too like militant or it's part of a movement to now it being like, no, hip hop is the thing. And then we're even in an era now too, where it's like, I don't know, maybe we got to find like a new thing because like, you know, yeah. Well, we're, I think we're in an era now where it's not hip hop, it's rap. People still rap, but it's not hip hop. And then like, there's that war between hip hop trying to figure out like, you know, is how do I coexist with these people who are rapping, but have nothing to do with the culture of hip hop. And then for me, it's sort of like, cause I'm not a hardcore hip hop head, but it's an important part of just my growing up where I'm sort of like, I don't get what they're doing now, but I appreciate it. Sure. And I appreciate the fact that I don't really get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It and might I not have, be for me to get. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I have other things to deal with, so I'm not even going to worry about <laughs> it. Like that's kind of. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and doing this and sharing your ideas. And, and, My pleasure. And, so before I let you go, is there a place that people can find out more about you and your music? Absolutely. Uh, they can visit my website, ForbesGramMusic.com. Uh, I also have a website for my visual art. That's ForbesGramArt.com. Uh, my podcast, uh, Beyond Apex, is at BeyondApexShow.com. So you can check out all of those. And and on the, the music site has links to my socials. So you can find me there too. SoundCloud, Instagram, all that good stuff. Thanks to Forbes for sharing his music and opinions with us. If you enjoyed this episode, check out other episodes in the podcast. And as always, like, subscribe, and leave a comment on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Doug Bielmeyer, and this has been The Process.